This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. Kyle and I have a, a little bit different topic than what we typically talk about but I think it's important for everybody to have a handle on. So you want to lead us into it, Kyle? Yeah, we're going to go over one of the blogs that we wrote. Um, it's called The Sequence of Returns Risk. If you're nearing retirement, you don't want to miss this. And just if you're trying to accumulate capital in general, I mean, this is going to apply for you. Absolutely. Apply to you. Absolutely. I would say distribute capital, especially sure. when you're distributing. Um, we're going to attach this blog to this podcast um, in the show notes as well, because there are some numbers in here and we're not going to go through every single one of them, but we're going to try to give a good synopsis of them. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't do it justice to do all the numbers over the podcast. So, yep. So I think the, the first thing we should start off with is, um, whenever you have, uh, for instance, real estate, uh, maybe you have a brokerage account, um, maybe some people just have, you know, ag land, whatever it is for you. Um, you have some unrealized gains more than likely. And what we mean by that is that say you paid a hundred thousand dollars for your house today, it's worth 200,000. That gain is unrealized until you would sell that asset. Yeah. Okay. Same goes for your stock account or excuse me, your brokerage account. You've likely made money in that, and those gains are not locked in until you sell the underlying asset inside the brokerage account. Mm-hmm. So this is this is what we're talking about, unrealized gains, all right? So you have an account value, um, but it's not guaranteed to go up. This thing is volatile. Yeah. Okay. So now let's add in sequence of returns risk, Okay. And in the blog, there's a couple tables here. And if you look at it, you can see that we just took $10,000. We weren't adding money to it. We weren't taking money away. We just had $10,000. And we showed two positive years where we had a 50% rate of return. And we showed three negative years where we had uh, two negative 25% return years and one negative 30%. What we did was we staggered when those returns happen to see what the result would be. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, in both cases, the ending value is about $8,860. You could do that math yourself and find that, or you can just look at the blog. But it doesn't matter if you just have a pile of money you are adding or taking away from it. The, the sequence in which returns happen does not matter. Yeah you'll end up with the same result. Now, in the next chart, we said, okay, now let's say we have $10,000, but we're going to start taking a withdrawal from it. This is to imitate uh, taking money out like you would in retirement. Yep. This is a very exaggerated example, but it illustrates a point that it does matter. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the first year, 
we make fifty thousand or excuse me, we make a fifty percent return, we take two thousand dollars out. We're left with thirteen thousand. The next year we're down twenty five percent and we take out two thousand dollars. We're down to seven thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. Now, just so you guys know, the withdrawals are taken at the end of the year after the rate of return has been factored in in this. Okay. Um, The next year, after we're down to seventy-seven fifty, we have a fifty percent return in the market. Uh, Take out our two thousand dollar withdrawal, and we're at ninety-six twenty-five. Then we have the down twenty-five percent year. Take out our two thousand, and we're at fifty-two hundred. Then we have the down 30% year, take out our 2000 and we're left with $1,653 at the end of that five-year cycle. Okay, next chart. We changed up the order of the returns. Now we front-loaded the negative years. So we have a $10,000 account balance. The market goes down 30%. We take out $2,000, and we have 5000 The next year, the market goes down 25%. We take out $2,000. We have $1,750. The next year, it goes down 25%. We can't take out our full withdrawal even. We're out of money. We're out of money. This is a very extreme example, but it's just to illustrate the fact, Kyle, that the order in which returns happen when you are withdrawing money make a difference. And where does this really matter? It matters where... If you have your money parked in a place where it can you can lose value, yep, especially rapidly or and unpredictably, yep. <clears throat> so this doesn't this doesn't matter if you're in certain assets like well, for instance, life insurance because you have guarantees and you know it can only gain in value. It matters in stocks or real estate of any sort where we don't know what can happen. We can have tremendous gains and we can have tremendous loss. So the big question is, why does this apply to you guys? Because at some point in time in your life, you're probably going to be withdrawing from your assets. Yeah. Okay. This is to make everybody aware to plan for the future. Okay. Don't put all your, your eggs in this basket where it's all betting on things that don't have a guarantee. Or, and if you're going to at least be aware that this can happen. Yeah. Excellent point. And I mean, if you go back to 07 and 08, I remember guys like in, uh, that work in the John Deere shop talking about how, you know, their retirement was cut in half in one year. Well, what if they wanted to retire that year? You know, I mean, if they had to take a withdrawal that year after that 50% decline, that was a massive chunk of of their retirement account. Yeah. We're not saying the market's going to do that. We have no idea. It's, It's possible because it's done it before. So, yep. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so, obviously, that, that's, I mean, those are extreme examples, okay? I, I completely realize that. It was just to illustrate a point. And so, the next thing is, well, what are your options? So, you know, if you, I would say a, a good rough figure for you guys to base this on is, if you have 60% or more of your assets in things that have unrealized gains, such as a brokerage account, real estate, you should look at something to diversify or find things that, um, that have guarantees mm-hmm. that aren't subject to this. Yeah. Okay. So you could do things like 
with some of your money, CDs or savings accounts or bonds. But CDs and savings accounts, I mean, they they have almost no growth Return. to them right now. Yeah. And you're subject to taxation as soon as you do get a little interest payment from them. Mm-hmm. Bonds can definitely lose value, um, but you could stagger some. You could have some that come due every year to uh, to combat that. So that way you know I have this much income coming from bonds. But, I mean, that seems like a lot of work. And, and whole life insurance happens to produce similar results to bonds, if not slightly greater, and you don't have that, uh, that principal risk. And you still have access to that money if you need. Yep, you still have access to that money, that entire pool of money. Mm-hmm. It isn't tied up. No. It isn't just a one-use item at that point in time. Yeah. So what we're saying is you could practice IBC throughout your life, have this dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. You don't even need to own bonds if you say you have a brokerage account. You could just own the dividend-paying whole life insurance policy as a bond alternative Mm -hmm. and own stocks in your brokerage account. And then you've already given yourself a place with guarantees so now if there's ever a market downturn, you could, instead of taking from your brokerage account, for example, you could take from the life insurance policy, which only goes up in value mm-hmm. in those down years. Yep. Then you could wait until the market goes up to withdraw from the investment account again. Sure. So in effect, you would be prolonging the amount of time that that investment account will last in a down market. Mm-hmm. And you won't be taking money out that's significantly, um, or selling stocks that have been just recently significantly devalued. Yeah. So um, at the end of this, I'm not even going to try to explain um, the numbers on this in the, in the podcast, but at the end of this blog, <clears throat> we have a chart here showing income being taken from age 66 to age uh, 85. And in one example, one chart, we have only an investment account that has a starting value of $500,000, and you're taking out 4% per year. And by age 83, you have run out in this scenario based on past returns of the market. So what we did in the next chart was add in a life insurance policy and you withdraw money from the life insurance policy in years where the market is down. Mm -hmm. At the end um, of the 85th year, you still have 260, or excuse me, at at age 83, when you ran out in the first example without life insurance, you had $0 left. At the end of this example, you have $261,755. That's a difference. That's a huge difference. <laughs> now you had to plan ahead and you had to create a life insurance policy yeah. for an alternative funding source. Okay. I'm not denying that there's more money at work here in this second chart. But I guess that's that's something that everybody needs to start considering, you know. It's easier to plan with time than it is to get down to the last year and say, Oh crud, I need to do something. Yeah. So <clears throat> something to really be aware of if if and when you you are planning for those days of taking some passive income. Absolutely. And I don't think it's talked about much. I mean, 
people that we talk to who are using stocks and they think they're going to use them for retirement and stuff. I mean, most of them don't talk about having the awareness of these risks. Definitely. It, it's just, it's something that's easily overlooked, I think. And, and you know, this podcast probably didn't do this complete justice. This is a, a really good blog that we put together here. And if you, you really want to dive into the numbers, everything is in charts here and you can see it very plainly in the blog. So yeah. go ahead and check it out. We'll have it linked. Definitely. <clears throat> but hopefully that gives you a good overview of the thought process here. Or in at least an introduction of what, you know, sequence of returns is and the risks that are involved with it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So that's everything that we wanted to bring to you guys today. I, I hope that brings you some value. And, and for me, uh, I think that's all I got. How about you, Kyle? All right. Yep. We'll uh, be back with you guys next week with the new podcast. All right. Thanks. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.